Welcome to Jay's Talk Plus, Ben Shulman, Show Ali, filling in today for Blake Murphy, getting the Monday off. The Blue Jays coming off a very exciting series, and we have a great show coming up for you. We're going to talk about that Oakland series, lay out some of the future schedule. The Grady Dick press conferences today show we're going to debut Raptors Talk Plus as well, and we will talk about the all-star voting. Before we get in there, though, Hope that you are having a great Monday show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Apparently, it takes uh, two people to replace Blake Murphy, which I guess speaks well of him. Uh, you think, Blake, uh, with too much wrestling content last night here in the city of Toronto? Probably. I, I could see that. I believe there was, an, and look, neither of us can even get close to half of Blake's wrestling <laughs> no. knowledge, but I believe there was an AEW Ooh. event yesterday. Right. I saw the, the people of Toronto booing CM Punk a lot. I'm not... <laughs> Not sure why my my main knowledge. Some, I think he talked some crap about the Leafs. He did. I think he did. Yes. Wow. Well, that guy. You know, he's been he's been tagged twice in a UFC <laughs> cage. He's moved wrestling companies. He is not making many friends. But the Blue Jays, they are at least making some more fans recently. They've won four out of five games. We're coming off this series where the Blue Jays win. The last two games in Oakland really saved themselves from uh, some brutal Jays talks for you after the games had they not oh. uh, won either one of those games and lost that series. That would have been brutal. It's it's clearly the worst team in baseball. It's maybe one of the worst 10 teams in the modern era of baseball going back to 1901. How do you feel about the Blue Jays winning that series 2-1 to one the way they did it? It definitely felt like it was... A long time coming, Ben, to see the Blue Jays turn in a laugher of their own. I feel as though <laughs> we have seen far too many games uh, in the last, uh, I mean, perhaps the whole season, but we've seen far too many games where they eke out or scratch and claw some runs and lose in a heartbreaking fashion or it takes extras to win and you're, you're, you're bunting guys to third or, you know, whatever. And then, or you're losing massive games to opposing teams, whether it's a collapse to the Rangers or a big loss to the Orioles, a big loss to the Marlins in the last week or so. So that they managed to win in a massive fashion against a team that you are quote unquote supposed to beat is huge because again, baseball is so chaotic, right? Baseball is so chaotic in the sense that you can say as much as you want about supposing to be this team or this, this team is worse than another team. The Oakland athletics, not that long ago, swept teams like the Braves and oh, they yeah. split a series against the Rays, for example. So that the blue Jays actually managed to beat them pretty convincingly on both Saturday and Sunday is I will take the positives from that. It is worth noting going into that series, the last seven series for the Oakland A's, they had one, three, they had lost three, and they had split a series with the Tampa Bay yeah. Rays, like you mentioned. So it's not like any team in baseball you can just assume you're going to beat. But the Blue Jays put up 12 runs yesterday. That's their most runs since they beat the Rays 20-1, to half of which they had put up against a position player. And before that, you go back to an extra inning game early in the season when they scored 12 runs against the Los Angeles Angels. So it, it was a huge offensive performance for the Blue Jays. And, and it kind of falls on the same question, but the offense has been really good the last two days. They scored 12 on Sunday. They scored seven on Saturday. Were there things that you really buy into as sustainable going forward? Or is this a case of, you know, the guys in, in green and gold are giving up a lot of home runs and a lot of runs in general this year? Well, when your when your uh, other pitchers are Shintaro Fujinami, who has an ERA of uh, north of ten, oh yeah, and Luis Medina, who I think came into the series with an ERA north of seven, and it was his seventh start ever. <laughs> so I, it, these are the guys you should be beating up on. I think the one that the the point that I I, I choose to take the most find the most solace in certainly is is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because there there might be no individual player Ben that needed a series like this more than perhaps Vladdy it was cool to see George Springer break a record and hold second time uh all to himself with leadoff home runs and we can certainly talk about Springer but Vladdy needed to get off the schneid and they they lost the first game against the Oakland Athletics in which he hit his first home run at Rogers Center this season so that was really cool to see. And even though he didn't hit a home run in game three against the A's, he also, just in a, in a general sense, the approach was consistent. It was just nice to see Vladdy not expand. And again, I, I said on Jay's talk the other day that 
I want to see him do it against better teams because, you know, how, how the, the book is out, as Barker likes to say, on Vladdy. You'll get a lot of down and away stuff to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And he was not taking a lot of that. The first AB, pardon me, the second AB against James Caprillion, the one in which he hit the home run on Friday, he he laid off some gr- some great pitches and then hit that home run. And that approach continued on Saturday and Sunday. So I think that's probably the most important aspect and again, I totally acknowledge it's the Oakland Athletics, but uh, for, for Vladdy, he needed it. Yeah, you, you go back to the manager's meeting John Schneider held before the series started on the Friday. And right. He talked about one thing they want with Guerrero, this before anything happened, is they want him to be okay being behind in the count. If a guy makes a pitch like a slider right on the outside corner or a two-seamer right in on the hands, which was pretty much what everyone's been doing to him for months, if not a year and a half now, be okay taking a strike. Be okay battling back from down 0-2 or 1-2 yeah. or 0-1. And Guerrero absolutely did that. He hit the home run in game one on a 1-2 count. He did strike out twice in that game, taking a lot of strikes. But he ends that series with six hits and 12 at-bats. Two doubles, one of them a bit of a bloop double, but it is what it is. Two doubles, two home runs, a 1,700 OPS essentially in that series. Bumps his season OPS from 767 going in, yeesh, all the way up to 807 (laughs) after the series. It's hard to say, you know, that it's just the Oakland Athletics, I think, in that respect. Because as bad as they are, very few players are going to put together series like that where you go 6 for 12 with four extra base hits and you turn multiple games in that series. Well, even yesterday's game... In Sunday, he, he hit the ball very hard, very consistently. Like, and Estrella Ruiz did not have the greatest of uh, the most heralded <laughs> of series for a young player visiting the Rogers Center. He got eaten up by a lot of different balls and some poor approaches by him. But even so, the ball that Vladdy hit immediately, right in his, I think it was his first AB, he ate him up in center field, got all the way to the wall. Vladdy uh, hit a, hits a double. I think they they end up it ends up being ruled a single and an error, so there was no RBI on the play for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Unfortunately, but he later drops in some some nice hitting pieces of hitting and ABs later on in the game as well. It just I think with with Vladdy, even if we go back to the 2021 season in 2021, in which he finished as we all know second in American League MVP voting, we did not see him expand at the plate. He was very patient. Even when he was seeing things down and away, he just it just seemed like he was seeing the ball extremely well. Last year, and for much of this year, it seems like he's been seeing the ball a little bit more poorly, unfortunately. So for, for him sure. to for him to not have that appear too much in this series, I kind of agree with you. It does go a little bit beyond simply saying it's the Oakland Athletics. Having said that, I do want to see him continue it against the San Francisco Giants. And I want to see him continue it. I mean, the Chicago White Sox and Detroit Tigers are also teams in theory you should quote-unquote beat, much like perhaps not to the same degree as the Oakland Athletics, but they are teams you should beat, the Boston Red Sox as well. So if he can continue that until the All-Star break, and you're going into the All-Star break on a high note, you have some tough teams after the All-Star break. The Diamondbacks, the Padres, the Dodgers, the Angels are in there right at the end of July. So, you know, these are teams that are all pretty hot to to one extent or another, maybe not the Padres, but uh, certainly other teams. But if Laddie can continue it, then there there's some good things in store because this team, I've said it a million times, Ben, this team goes as Laddie goes. Yeah, I think, you know, as the weeks go on, there's going to be a lot of talk about the trade deadline and what should the Blue Jays do to try and add. But the core players on this team, Vladdy and really Matt Chapman, too, who we might get into a little bit at least, who's definitely hitting better than he was before. Those are two guys, along with Springer, who's been hitting well for about a month, but you need that to continue. These are the guys that are going to lead the team. Those three belt a bit. Bichette, obviously, maybe leading from the front to that group. Jansen, Kirk, what you can get out of the catching troops. You know, like, I don't think that they're going to add a bat to this team to hit third in the lineup. It's going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. returning to form, even if it's returning a little bit more to 2022 form. Sure. I mean, he was hitting over the last six weeks about as bad as, as he's been hitting in his entire career. Yeah. And things definitely starting to turn. You mentioned the chase rate and stuff like that. The, the approach in 2021, he was 69th percentile in chase rate in 2021 this year, 32nd percentile. That's not very good. No, no. <laughs> he was walking, you know, about as many, as much as anyone in baseball in 2021. He's not doing that this year, but approach is something that I think 
doesn't really matter who you're facing. It can be the Oakland Athletics. It can be the New York Yankees or the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. How you're looking at pitches is something that's very individual to the hitter and kind of separate from who's on the mound. I knew at some point the narrative around the Toronto Blue Jays would end up as, boy, isn't the isn't the 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 reunion with uh, Hyunjin Ryu basically as good as a as a trade deadline acquisition? Isn't getting Alec Manoa back? After the All-Star break, isn't that as good as a trade deadline acquisition? And and you know what? It's going to be the same thing for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because because basically you're getting a bat like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is back. And that's probably better than any guy they can find out there who's on the street. Or like I remember before the season started, Ben, when they were talking about guys you could add to this ball club. And I remember two of the more popular names were Jerkson Profar and Robbie Grossman. And, and you know what? Those guys have had like decent seasons. Robbie Grossman's actually had, I would say, an above average season considering how bad he was last year. Yeah, they're fine. He, they're, they're fine. But if you're going to get a bat as, as quality of a bat, let's say, as Vladimir Guerrero Jr., quote unquote, back, that is probably going to be the most impactful move you can make at the trade deadline short of the team going out and acquiring. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to be as hyperbolic and say like Shohei Otani as, as no nice as that would be. Yeah, yeah, it's no not, it's not, not happening, but may, like maybe even like maybe even a move what would be to acquire like an Eduardo Rodriguez. That's still not happening. But the, I, I would say if you're acquiring a bat as good as Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s and it's going to be as good as you think it is, then that's probably better than anything else that's out there. Yeah, I, I just don't think there are many Vladdies that don't have a job right now or yeah. even on the market. Like like if, you most... go, if you go get Hanser Alberto, you could. Like you, you could. You could do that. But is that as good as getting, like, normal Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Not Probably even not. Close. No. Yeah, not not even close. And that's no offense to him. He's no, a fine no, player. Yeah. But, it, it, yeah, it has to be Vladdy. It has to be Chapman. It has to be either Kirk or Jansen. Could, could be more than that. But... It, it's not going to be a big bat coming into this team. I really think it'll be a complimentary yeah. guy trying to help them out. We're here on Jay's Talk Plus, by the way, filling in for Blake Murphy. I'm Ben Schulman. He's Show Ali, Jeff Azupardi, Lance Kennedy, Jennifer Rolnick behind the scenes as well. Grady Dick press conference coming up at 11, but we're still talking Blue Jays for now. I do want to move to one of the other guys who the Blue Jays, I think now it's been maybe more than a month since they've gotten him back, George Springer. Okay. He has the leadoff home run yesterday. Sure. You mentioned he's second all time now in leadoff home runs he passes alfonso soriano who was a great yankee so i'm sure for a lot of astros and blue jays fans that's a a nice guy for the for a blue jay or and a former astro to pass but 55 leadoff home runs now still way behind ricky henderson at 81 that's that's, that's kind absurd. of like it's an absurd it's number. an uncatchable <laughs> number it's an uncatchable number it just is what it is ricky played till he was i think 43 so maybe if George legs it out to 43, there's a shot. But he needs 26 more leadoff home runs That's a lot. at this point. But Springer now, you go back to Star Wars Day. We're both Star Wars fans. Uh, May 4th. You don't have to out me like that. Oh, sorry. Well, are you more of a Trekkie? I can keep No, I you. am a Star Wars fan. Thank you. Um, <laughs> then I'm going to out you because, you know, we, we need to get the troops going. But since May 4th, which is kind of around the time that Springer is actually dealing with that illness in Boston, 47 games since an 851 OPS for Springer, batting near 300, eight home runs, 23 RBIs. That's a, a, a sample size of over 200 plate appearances. And that 851 OPS, the exact number that he had career OPS coming into this year. So do you feel like George Springer at this point is kind of back to being George Springer? I, I know the numbers say that, but when you watch him, does it feel like the normal George to you? Ooh, that's a good question. I think for me... It, it does feel like I'm waiting for just one more step to be taken. And, and, and for me, I, I'm curious where you fall on this, Ben, because for me, when, when I heard that George Springer was moving from center to right field and that, because remember when Kevin Kiermaier was signed in, in his press conference, he basically said, yeah, I was told I'm going to be the starting center fielder, which we all interpreted, especially after all the many injuries that George Springer has had. And, and, and he's, he was a great center fielder. There's no doubt about it, but now that he is getting moved to right field, and I don't believe he's played center field at all this year. So now that he's playing largely in right field or DHing occasionally, like we saw yesterday, I, I do kind of wonder, I wondered if it was fair to ask more from him offensively because he is being asked less of less been less asked of him defensively. And I think because of that in the numbers support that he is quote unquote back. But I, in my, my view, I feel like you want a teensy bit more from George Springer because, because you're giving the bulk of the defensive asks to either Kevin Kiermaier or Dalton Varsho, both of whom who have been, I don't know, pretty darn good whenever they're in center field. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, at the end of the day, whether you want to look at the numbers like wins above replacement or just baseball convention, yeah. you get more out of your center fielder on the defensive side than your right fielder. Even the greatest right fielders, if they could play center field, their teams would have them in center field. Yeah. <laughs> and George can play center he field. Can, he's, yes. just, he's just probably the third best defensive center fielder on this team at this point behind Kiermaier and Varsho, who are two of the best. But I, I think to a certain extent, too, you might be waiting for one of those patented Springer hot streaks. And we've seen them a little bit in Toronto. He's been hurt, so there hasn't been as much time. But there are some times in Houston, or even I, I pulled one stretch last year in mid-September to kind of the end of the season where he hit six home runs, has 10 extra base hits in 16 games, and has an OPS near 1,000 in that stretch. Like, he's a guy who just occasionally goes on these runs where you can't get him out, where he's winning multiple games over a week, two-week stretch for you. I still don't think we've seen that yet this season. I, I think we've seen a gradual build back to who he is as a hitter, a really consistent guy and hitting for a better average over that stretch than really he has in a long time. But I, I feel like, you know, yesterday notwithstanding, he obviously hits a home run in that game. The big power stretches for George where yeah. it's double-double homer, double-double homer all the time, it's still not coming and really coming out of right field, I agree too. I think you ask for more power out of your right fielder typically than you do out of your center fielder. And maybe that's unfair. The Blue Jays have had some really hard-hitting right fielders in the history of their team. Obviously, Jose Bautista in recent memory, but a lot of guys before that yeah, as well. Hernandez just for last sure. year. <laughs> yeah, like you, you are asking for a lot of power if you're comparing George to previous right fielders yeah. on this team. But at the same time, you give away a Teoscar and Lourdes who only hit five homers, homers all of last year. You need someone to fill in the gaps. Springer hits for more power I think typically then even a guy like Bo Bichette. Yeah, that's true. It is true. I think I just I think that's where it is, right? It's just Springer is absolutely capable of driving an offense, and we just haven't seen him drive an offense to the degree you're used to seeing certainly in his Houston days, but even in the in the early part before he got injured a couple of times of his Blue Jays tenure. So I'm I'm still kind of waiting for that. And even if you just look in the micro at yesterday's ball game, I mean, he, it was the second pitch that Luis Medina threw to him that he hammers for a home run, and he crushed that. It wasn't like a wall scraper. Like he 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 hit that no doubt into left field, which was great. Uh, and then it's funny because later in the game, it, it ended up not mattering because the Blue Jays won that game twelve to one. But it is kind of funny that he goes up to bat with the bases loaded, and he chops one into a double play and again one run with the bases loaded is better than no runs with the bases loaded i will take that a one a 10 out of 10 times but i i think i would like to see george just just a little just a little exercise a little more patience sometimes the the problem is it's, and it's not really a problem the thing is is that springer is so talented that he can just jack one on the first or second pitch that he sees which is exactly what he did so i'm not going to quibble too too much with that because he can do it it's just kind of funny because Luis Medina was having a really tough time locating the strike zone. I think there was at one point he threw like six to eight straight balls essentially to open an inning. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, so I think when when you see that, I would like all Blue Jays hitters to be a little more patient. But again, they won they won the game 12-1, so I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, it is funny where this state of uh, Blue Jays hitting with runners in scoring position is that they have bases loaded, nobody out. Springer hits into a double play, and we're all sitting there like, well, they got one. You know, they didn't he didn't hit into a one, two, three double yeah. play and and generating out at the plate. But yeah, I, I think Springer pretty much there. But if to be the elite elite guy, yeah. maybe ask for a, a couple big series coming up before the all-star break. We'll get into some of that stuff and the series coming up pretty soon. Ben Schulman show Ali here on Jay's Talk Plus filling in for Blake Murphy. I almost don't want to do this, but I think I have to do this. You uh -oh. say Kikuchi has pitched really well recently. <laughs> Chris Bassett has not pitched supremely well recently. I, I think it's very clear that the one and two in this rotation are Kevin Gosman and Jose Barrios. Mm -hmm. Barrios bounced back from the Miami start with definitely a good start against the Athletics. Gave up three runs, but only two earned in six innings. The length, a huge thing for Barrios, and, and he upheld that part of the bargain. The pecking order in the Blue Jays' rotation... Is it at all changing for you? Like, I, I'm, I, I smile as I say this. I really, I, I don't want to do this, but I just think I have to for a second. Kikuchi has made six really good starts in a row. Yes. Do you feel like, who, who has your heart rate, heart rate going faster when they step on the mound the first inning? Do you feel calmer with Kikuchi stepping on the bumper Bassett these days? Gosh, it's like, it's so tough because Bassett 
has had three, honestly, bad games in a row. For sure. And before, and despite that, before that, he was, you and I were using the term co-ace for uh, He Bassett. was in the running. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Like, hand up. I did not, I admit, I did not think Bassett would be this good. I was kind of expecting, and I'll, I, I did not expect him to be this poor either in the last, in terms of the last three games. I was kind of expecting something a little more middling, which is why I was kind of perplexed at the massive amount of money that was dealt out to Bassett in the offseason. Hand up, I was wrong on that one because he has been, by and large, very, very, very good. But you're right, as we're talking right now, and especially this continues into the All-Star break, there's only, uh, what, it's June 26th today. There's Three, four only, starts. Yeah, there's not that many more even just games between now and the All-Star break. There's a series against the Giants, the Red Sox, the White Sox, and the Tigers, and then it's the All-Star break. We're yeah. at, we're, we're going to Seattle, right? So I, I do kind of think if it continues, then... Yeah, you're probably right that Kikuchi probably <laughs> deserves to be the number three starter. But I don't know. I feel, I feel as though, and again, to use the micro example of yesterday's game, as the game went on, I did kind of feel that Kikuchi, as demonstrative as he is, and it's I, awesome to see. I kind of hope when Sportsnet on TV uses his like still image to show you what happened in the last game, I kind of hope the still image is like with his leg kicked up with him by his his toe by the brim of his cap kind of thing because he was doing some power ranger acrobatic oh, very he stuff awesome. he was he was phenomenal but uh the game goes on he gets hit a little bit harder right some more loud very loud outs given up there was the tony kemp home run which was the first uh batter of that particular inning and he he recovered he got some help from the defense but he was clearly being seen a little bit better even by the a's the third time through the order. And that we know that's kind of been the little bit of a bugaboo with Kikuchi, right? Like they are usually pretty strict with him only seeing the order essentially twice. And in Miami, they, I think they gambled a teensy bit because Luis Arise was on base and it was a lefty on lefty matchup. So I think they, they gambled a little bit and it worked out for them, but uh, I'm not, I'm not sure we're quite there with, <laughs> with putting Kikuchi over Bassett. I think we're, again, if it continues into the all-star break, I might change my mind, but uh, because, because after the all-star break, they're probably going to rejig the starting order to a certain, to a, like a certain degree, right? Yeah. You, you don't know about the possibilities too of a Manoa or Ryu coming back and you want to kind of, if you don't have them, you want to separate Kikuchi from bullpen days like they yes. kind of have. And if you do have them, you might still want to separate, you know, you don't know how many innings you would ask for Ryu to pitch. Sure. He could be piggybacking with someone for all we know. So you definitely are going to look at that order and see what works best for you. I do agree, though. I, I kind of still have Bassett right now ahead. I, I went the other way, and now I, I don't think I'm looking as strong. <laughs> you know, being a guy who was in New York State for a lot of last year watching Bassett pitch for the Mets, I was very high on him. And frankly, some of these concerns right now, I, I just don't know where they came from. Like, I went to look at his splits last season. Bassett. Yeah. And the left-handed batters, they were better than the right-handed batters, as you'd expect, but the OPS was in the mid-700s. Left-handed batters have a 972 OPS mm. off Chris Bassett this year. They've hit 13 home runs of the 16 he's allowed, and he only allowed 19 all of last season. He's already allowed 16, and we're not even to the all-star break yet. Yeah, when J.J. Blade is hitting like a, a no-doubt oh monster home run into the visiting bullpen, that's an issue there. That one like scraped the catwalks at the top <laughs> of the Rogers Center and then still went down and into the bullpen. It's, it is really puzzling. I, I think the break could come up just at the right time for Bassett, who might find something here that he was doing last year to retire lefties, but that was pretty shocking, I think, to see how in the last week or so, I mean, if the Oakland A's can stack lefties against you, and he gave up four, he didn't give up nine, yeah. but if the Oakland A's can stack lefties against you and your right-left stuff is is that tough that they are going to capitalize upon it, you really need to start looking, I think, at how you're pitching lefties and what, what kind of pitches you're using because you have so many weapons at your disposal if you're a Chris Bassett and righties are hitting 180 with a 510 OPS. He's dominating right-handed hitters, but you can't, it, it can't be as easy as throw a bunch of lefties in the lineup and you're going to get it done. I, I think the Blue Jays really need to figure out what his game plan is against left-handed hitting going forward, but he was so good at one point. I mean, we are essentially a month away from his ERA nearly dipping into the twos. It was 3.0 Three, I believe it was. It was one one hundredth of an earned run behind Kevin Gosman at that point. Are you are you concerned at all about the change with the pitch com? Because he did say after the it's Oakland true. start that he's not gonna 
call his own pitches anymore because and it was it was I don't know if you were listening to the availability it was like he literally spoke to the media for maybe like 60 seconds he took three questions the second question of which might have been Keegan from MLB.com who who asked him this question but uh it it essentially was what's going on with the pitch calm device and he said yeah I'm done calling pitches and then that was it like he didn't really he didn't really elaborate and it's true he he we usually see him reaching down to the the right side of his belt to tap in the the sequence to for either Jansen or Kirk and obviously Kirk his his battery mate has been the two of them have developed a, a pretty good rapport and now Kirk's on the IL and won't return at least until after his next start, which will come against the Giants in a couple of days. So if that's the case and he's not calling his own pitches and Jansen's the one laying it down, because we talked like last year, we talked so much. When Jansen was out, we talked so much, Ben, about how uh, Jansen's game calling ability was was desperately needed for Yusei Kikuchi or was desperately needed for Jose Barrios and it wasn't working out so great for them. Uh, and now it almost is kind of flipped, not for Jansen specifically, but when Jansen catches for, for Bassett, it hasn't worked out all that great. No. So I, I am curious to see what it looks like because you're you're almost certainly not getting anyone other than Jansen when Bassett pitches on, I guess it would be on, on Wednesday. Yeah. It, it, I mean, we don't even know what the situation with Tyler Heineman is right. right now. Hopefully he's okay, but he had to exit the game. It, it is really funny. I'm about to make kind of the hedge of the century. Okay. I, and I think I said this on Jay's talks early in the season. I didn't really like the idea of a pitcher calling his own pitches. Right. I, I know they have a, a finite amount of time with the pitch clock, but you can wave off pitches. You're still in a sense calling your own game as a pitcher. No one is, forcing the grip on the ball except for you at the same time i hesitate to believe that that's the reason that he would be pitching poorly he was pitching well calling his own pitches like you said with alejandro kirk for a while so why it would now be a problem when it wasn't a problem when he you know threw a shutout or when he dominated against the mets It, it just it might be something mental, and baseball is so mental that maybe that'll just help him. Maybe he's, he's a new dad. Maybe he needs to get some more sleep. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I could easily see it, you know, that that he's his brain's a little bit cloudy sure, from, you know, getting up in the middle of the night. And, hey, you, you want to think about less on the mound. Like at the beginning of the season, Buck Martinez had mentioned it too on the TV side, and I was kind of agreeing with his premise that you just don't want all that stuff in a pitcher's mind at once. Let him think more about yes or no than the seven different options that he has to choose from. But... You know, if he starts pitching better, I think I'll hesitate to attribute it all to the fact that it's just him not pressing the buttons because he's a pretty particular guy anyway. And I'd imagine that he's only going to throw what he wants to throw regardless. It's just going to be prompted by someone else instead of him. But we're going to talk about the team that Bassett is coming up next. Make sure to text us at 590-590. We'll get to some of your texts coming up after the break. This is Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Ben Shulman. He's Show Ali filling in for Blake Murphy. We'll be back in a moment on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Ben Schulman. He's Show Ali. Jeff Azapati, Lance Kennedy, Jennifer Rolnick with us as well. Filling in for Blake Murphy on this Monday morning. Appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to text in 590-590. Talking some Blue Jays. Uh, we have some texts on the text line already coming in. Show, you want to read one of those? Yeah, Eddie and Fort Erie. Uh, if the Blue Jays decide to bring Manoa back into the rotation a lot sooner... I'd rather have him pitch in the White Sox series than on Canada Day for two reasons. One, the Red Sox roughed him up. And two, when the White Sox were in Toronto earlier in the year, Manoa did not pitch in that series. So definitely a good point by Eddie from Fort Erie. We appreciate the text. And 590-590 is open. You can text us anytime. Uh, But uh, I I believe John Schneider, he didn't like go out of his way to say this to Blair and Barker on Friday, but he did more or less confirm that there is no set timetable for Alec Manoa's return. So it seems pretty unlikely barring barring like the best week of Alec Manoa's life down down in Dunedin that he is going to pitch on Saturday. It seems like we're going to we are in store for a bullpen day probably headlined by one of if not both of Trevor Richards and uh, and Bowden Francis. Yeah, you look at Saturday and I understand why people look to that day because it's the next spot open. Yeah. But it it does feel really quick. He hasn't even faced hitters that aren't wearing Blue Jay shirts. 
He, he's only pitched against guys, and for a lot of that time, they weren't swinging. Yeah. He's only thrown, you know, live bullpen sim games against Florida Complex League players on his own team. He still likely has to pitch in either the Complex League or the Florida State League, which is rookie ball or low A, and then maybe even, like, another start, I think. I think you're Ramping right. up a little bit in a Buffalo or a New Hampshire where the competition's a little more similar to the major leagues. So I, I do agree that I think they'll set him up for success if possible, try and bring him in in a matchup that works well. You see that all the time with young players when they're making their debuts. Sure. You try to get a guy in, you know, against an Oakland Athletics instead of maybe the Tampa Bay Rays. But I do wonder if it were to come up even in the White Sox spot. And right now, projected starters, it does look like they have the White Sox series covered. I wonder if it were at that point or the Detroit series, if you just push it back even further to really make sure it's okay and delayed until after the all-star break, because wouldn't you want to make sure that once he comes back up, that's the last time he's, he's making a move. Yeah, I would think so. I would, I would think so. You're right. Cause I'm, I'm just looking at after the all-star break here. And like we were talking about before, it's not the easiest schedule no. afterwards. Like, especially like the, the Jays definitely have one of, if not the hardest schedule by strength of schedule in the, in the entirety of major league baseball to start the year going into the all-star break. So uh, it definitely lightens a little bit after the all-star break, but in the, in the immediate weeks after you come back from that break in Seattle, you got the diamondbacks Padres at home the Mariners and Dodgers on the West Coast, and then you have the Angels and Orioles at home. These are all teams, I, I would say maybe Padres, Mariners are, are on paper the easiest teams you're playing, but they're also not easy outs either. They're still, the Mariners scraping with the Blue Jays for a wildcard spot, and the Padres expected to contend for their division. They have also been a, perhaps a disappointment based on their incredibly high payroll. But they're, they're, my point is there's no real easy spot to like just work Alec Manoa back in there. Like he's going to have his hands full no matter which of those teams for the rest of July he faces. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not a great part of the schedule. Yeah. They get a really easy part of the schedule coming up before the break. And maybe that lends them to throwing Manoa in there. Maybe, sure. maybe in the Detroit series. Yeah. Cause they kind of, it seems like would have the white Sox covered, you know, Detroit, is one of the worst offenses in baseball. They were the athletics offense-wise last year, and they haven't gotten a whole lot better this year. So that could be a candidate to get him in there. I do think, too, when Manoa comes back, there's a chance that he would come back and pitch a short start. Like right. maybe the first time out, get us through four. We'll throw Richards for two innings. This is Pete Walker, John Schneider talking to him. And then they figure it out from there, yeah. and you try and build him back up to the guy that he's going to be. Cause I do think that they want to try and string positive results together for Manoa, get his confidence back up. I know some people like it. Some people don't like it. The, you know, the brashness, the really outspokenness he has on the mound. <laughs> but I do think to be Alec Manoa, as we've seen, you need to be pretty much confident that you're the best pitcher on the planet yeah. when you're on the mound. And, and for him, it's some tough matchups. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't know if, you know, maybe a Seattle works out because it's a huge ballpark. It is a place, even against a good Mariners team, where a lot of pitchers, I think, do succeed. Just sometimes, you know, they lose in a low-scoring game because the Mariners pitchers pitch well uh, also. Speaking of, you know, you mentioned the wild card. Blue Jays in the wild card now. They, in ga game two of this series, beat the Athletics, moved up into the wild card, and they had a tie with the Angels, so there were actually four teams for three spots. Mm -hmm. The Angels... Outside of their 25 to 1 massacre of the Colorado that Rockies. That's crazy, by the way. Just a ridiculous game. They scored 22 runs in a two inning span. And Sh Shohei Otani and Mike Trout weren't really all that involved in that way. No, they pulled Trout. He went three for three, <laughs> but then they yanked him. Shohei went one for seven with Oof. a single. It was like Mickey Moniak had a phenomenal game and some other guys. But the Angels did lose that series, so they dropped behind the Blue Jays. As we open up on this Monday with the Blue Jays off, they are sitting alone with a half game lead in that wild card position. How much does that matter to you? I mean, a, a lot of the complaining in and around Blue Jay world, and I and I don't say complaining with the connotation that it wasn't warranted. The Blue Jays have not played well for you know the better part of the last six weeks. Yeah. Was hey, they're outside of the picture. They're supposed to be contending. Now that they're in the picture, does that make a difference for you? Okay, it makes a difference for me when I do Jay's talk because people are happier. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so for me personally, yes, one million percent. For the Blue Jays, you know, I'll say yes 
also if, o- if only because it's gotta make them just feel as though everything they've been scratching for and clawing for and battling for going to war for for like two to three runs a game it must make it feel as though it's worth it right because yeah. there were a lot of like white knuckle finishes over the last little bit there are a lot of a lot of bullpen usage the bullpen has been i would say overtaxed and now you have for sure you have adam simra on the 15 day il I don't know if Jimmy Garcia is going to head there, but I mean, if he's suffering right knee discomfort and had to be pulled from a, from his relief appearance, like mid appearance, then he is probably going to spend some time, if not on the IL, just not pitching for a little bit. So you already have an overtaxed bullpen, and then you take two guys who are like medium to low-ish leverage guys out of that equation. And yeah, Zach Pop probably going to return very imminently, which is a good thing, absolutely, because he's been by and large very good when he's not in super high leverage situations, but. Ultimately, it's got to make them feel good that all all the things they've been working for has have have earned them a playoff spot. And I think for for me at the very least, I know again you beat up on the Athletics. It's it's not going to tell you really anything about your team necessarily. But at the same time, you you want them to uh, the goalposts have been moved a little bit, Ben, because you kind of expected them to contend for the division. And unfortunately, it seems as though the Rays have the Rays all but incredible. locked it up. Yeah, yeah they've, they've been amazing. So if that's the case, then if you are scratching and clawing for a wild card spot, then, you know, be- better to be in that position than not. Because even if I think it does show that this is a, a pretty good team, because even when they're playing poorly, they're still in, they're still in a playoff position. Yeah, I kind of agree with you in the essence. I I think it's a symbolic victory. I I don't think it's really that meaningful in the same way that it was more symbolism a week or two ago when people were like, are they out of it? And at the same time, they were two back with 90-something games to go. Like, this can go north or south in a whole bunch of ways. We are still not at the midway point of the season. That's coming up in this giant series that the Blue Jays have Tuesday to Thursday this week. But it is worth noting they haven't played very well. Up to their standard, let's say. Like, there's definitely a lot of room for them to grow offensively. They've had big starting pitcher issues. They've also had a relatively tough schedule. It's it's about to get easier. It's about to normalize. But you look at the Blue Jays, half a game back of the second wildcard spot that Mm -hmm. the Yankees hold. The Blue Jays have played 44 road games this year. The Yankees have played 34 (laughs) road games this year. That's not nothing. Like, that is a big deal. The, the Yankees have been better on the road than the Blue Jays, sure. who are an even 500 road team. But they get some home games. They get some AL Central teams. They get some of the worst of the league coming up pretty soon. And I do think that it should at least calm some nerves, if nothing else, that this team, you know, even not at their best, is on a you know 88-ish win pace. And they're a big run, which they haven't had all year. They're a big run away from you know, getting back to a 95, 96-ish win pace. And I don't think, frankly, looking at the history of the Toronto Blue Jays, that you can ask for a whole lot more than 95 or 96 wins if they get back on that pace. That's still a big if. You know, we look at this playoff picture right now. The Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Astros, the Angels, and the Red Sox, all within three and a half games of each other. Crazy. You look even just a little bit lower, the Mariners in the mix, although they have not played well so far this year. I mean, Seattle Talk Radio, you have to imagine that that's a mess. M's Talk, mm. Don't want to listen to that. Really, it has yeah. to be a mess. But are you, you know, looking at that picture and wondering who is really out right now from that group? Gosh, that's tough because you know that if you're in the AL Central, you have to win that division or you're not making the playoffs. That's just it. Like the 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 Guardians, the Tigers, the White Sox, they got to win that division and you know what? It's still possible. It's not it's not impossible for any of those teams to 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 be completely out of the race at the, at the very least right now, even if it is in the the Twins, uh they they have their own destiny in their own hands for the, probably for the rest of the season, I would I would imagine. But uh, beyond the AL Central, it like is it crazy Ben to say that the team I have the least faith in Maybe not. It might not be the Angels. It might actually be the New York Yankees. Is that I, like? Is that like too I think, crazy? I think I was going the same way. And this isn't like Yankee hate. It's it's purely health related. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Judge should return this season. I don't know if I have that much faith in that. Should return this season. <laughs> when did it turn into one of those where all of a sudden Judge? It looked like it would be a minor injury when it first started. 
I mean, what are we thinking now? Like an August projection? Or? They said he has a torn ligament in his big toe and that he feels pain whenever he walks. Like, that's not that's not a good thing for a, a guy who's like 6'7", I imagine. Yeah, and we're going to talk basketball coming up. You know, when a guy like Yao Ming got a foot injury, it's not easy with all that weight on your foot. Right. Now, he's not seven foot six, but he's baseball's equivalent in a way. I mean, there are not many baseball players that big. You put so much stress on your feet. When you're hitting, when you're, you know, squishing the bug or putting all your weight down on that front foot. And I really am concerned about them. Carlos Rodon did make some minor league appearances now, but he hasn't pitched an inning for the New York Yankees yet. A single inning. And he's had setbacks in his rehab as well. I kind of agree with you. I, I really do think that there is some concern there for the Yankees who only hold a half game lead on the Blue Jays and a one game lead on the Astros for being in the wild card at all. So does that mean you're penciling in the Orioles? You feel confident about the Orioles? Yes, I, I think I really do. I, okay. I, I think earlier in the year I said no because I, I wondered if their starting pitching could continue and they could continue at this pace. They have been a mediocre starting pitching team at best. At the same time, we're close enough to the deadline right now. You almost have to imagine they add. They have so much in the minors. Even if they hold on to baseball's top prospect, Jackson Holiday, there are a million guys that they have drafted near the top of first rounds in the last couple of years. Like D.L. Hall or Colton Cows or any of these guys Grayson get traded. Rodriguez. Yeah, they get traded. Heston Kerstad was a top five pick in 2020. Yeah. He's on the brink of the majors. And you look at their team, you wonder how many more bats they really need right now. <laughs> like they need pitching and, and, and in the rotation, they have a great bullpen too. So I, I almost pencil the Orioles. And we do have another text that goes a little bit off of that path, but I really want to get to it. Sure. Steve from Stony Creek asking, has Kevin Biggio earned more playoff time? Biggio came up with his seventh home run of the season yesterday. It was a little bit in garbage time, but but it's different, you know, I think in baseball than in other sports when garbage time comes up. For guys, the numbers matter a ton in these spots, and yeah. pitchers are still trying to get guys out. He goes two for four, seventh home run of the year. Biggio's batting average over 200 now, which, you know, he's not winning the batting title, but it looks a lot better. His OPS approaching 700 now. Where do you feel about Biggio fitting a little bit more into the lineup? I definitely think we are we are well beyond, well past DFA Kevin Biggio because those those were the calls that were coming for him in the first month of the season. And you and I, I felt like we were like the last line of the defense against don't we're, you're not cutting Kevin Biggio because he's had a poor month. And and again, it was a, it was a valid question at the very least, because after his rookie season, it's not as though any of his subsequent seasons have been so good. You need to have him in the lineup every single day. And I don't, again, we're not there still, but I think I am at the point where you feel comfortable seeing him in the lineup because you know he is going to at least have a good a good plate appearance against whoever he is seeing at the mound. You know what I mean? He's now hit, what, three home runs, including yesterday's home run in nine games. And you could probably make the argument he may hit, hit a fourth, if not for that weird, like, ghost foul pole thing in Baltimore. It was Get a strange... Hawkeye in <laughs> the majors. We would have known. It was, it was weird. It was a strange... It was weird because the, the, this replay cut to the people in Baltimore, presumably Orioles fans, and they're, like, pointing... Yeah. They're pointing that it went to the left of the foul pole. Anyways, it was a strange occurrence, but he is is consistent enough that one, no matter where he is in the on the diamond, he's at first a lot of the time. He's at second base. He was in right field yesterday, so he plays all over the place. We know this is a ball club that does value positional versatility, but Kevin Biggio, as a guy who plays, I don't know, like once every three days or whatever it is, once every three games, I think he has earned a teensy bit more playing time, at least to the point where given that he is a lefty bat, if you did want to give someone a day off, you wouldn't feel terrible about making him the first baseman if Flatty's DHing, or if you had him to put him into right field, if someone gets injured, or if you want, if Merrifield's going into the outfield and you don't want to use Santiago Espinal at second, you could use Biggio at second and feel pretty good about it. So yeah, I would, I would agree with George's point. I think he, I think he has earned a teensy bit more playing time. Kevin Biggio, a 9.54 OPS in his last 22 games going back to May 23rd. We'll see if he gets some more of that playing time coming up. Blue Jays start a series with San Francisco tomorrow. This is Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Ben Shulman. He's Show Ali filling in for Blake Murphy on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to Jay's Talk Plus. We had some Raptors talk, Grady Dick press conference, but we return for MLB All-Star voting with Show Ali. I'm Ben Shulman, Jeff Azapardi, Lance Kennedy, Jennifer Rolnick behind the scenes here. Happy Monday. We are approaching phase two voting getting underway. So they split it up into two phases. A couple years ago, I want to say they yeah. changed it this way. So you vote for the finalists. The finalists are in now for the All-Star Game coming up in a couple of weeks in Seattle. The Blue Jays, unsurprisingly, have five finalists. By the way, this is only position players, so what is it? It's nine available spots because yes. no pitcher but DH, DH in there. Yeah. Five of the nine spots include Blue Jays. You can go vote. Uh, BlueJays.com slash vote, I believe it is. Uh, you can vote only once per day unfortunately here but voting open from noon today until noon on thursday yeah. all-star star is actually being revealed on june 29th so not a lot of uh, voting uh, voting lead time here yeah blue jays fans i mean we don't have to tell them much but they are uh, among the best if not the best in voting in major league baseball let's break down the blue jays matchups maybe we'll look at some of the more fun ones that are non-blue jay related after that and uh it, it starts with you know i would say arguably one of the more controversial finalist matchups there is we go to first base Vladimir Guerrero Jr. versus Yandy Diaz I think we fall in the same camp we've talked about it a bit on Jay's talk I think Vladdy's gonna win this easily and he probably shouldn't win this <laughs> yeah I think if, if we're talking about the entire body of work this season specifically then I don't know, like Yandy. There was a period of time where Yandy Diaz was being discussed. I don't know how seriously, because I don't know how much. A lot you were, of it was me. Yeah, a lot of it was <laughs> you. This is true. But uh, if you're if you were looking at the numbers alone for the American League MVP race after Judge, and this was before he got injured, after Judge and Shohei Otani, the next guy probably was Yandy Diaz. So I I, I think you're right. Like I think even especially if Flatty. He got. I think that the last this last weekend did a lot for him because I bet it it makes it probably a lot easier for you to to vote for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And again, I'm not saying like three games is enough to make him an All Star, but uh, still, I think the 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 sheer size of the fan base combined with a very famous name probably gonna give him this over uh, old Diaz. Yeah, Vladdy. You know, 280s average right now, just over 800 OPS, 11 homers. I'm going to vote for Vladdy as many times as possible. That would be five times. Yeah, five <laughs> times you can do it from Monday to Thursday. Diaz, 316 batting average, 922 OPS, 12 homers. He has been phenomenal. Uh, he is a guy, I will say, that I think would easily make it as a reserve if Vladdy were to get the starting bid. Oh, yeah. If Diaz somehow pulls this off, which, you know, unfortunately, just for a lot of the Rays, they don't have as big of a support coming behind them. I'm not 100% sure that Vladdy is the backup at first. I think Anthony Rizzo is having a comparable season. Yes. I, I do think that there would be a little bit of danger in banking on Guerrero if he doesn't make it. And by the way, if these guys don't get voted in, it's not just both finalists make it. The second guy is no guarantee at an equal standing yeah. of everyone else to be picked for a reserve. Yeah, like if you're talking about other first basemen, like Nathaniel Lowe has had a pretty good year. Yeah. I would have put Ryan Mountcastle in there, but he has missed the last couple of weeks with, I think he had like, because he was sick and then he was suffering from vertigo and so on. So yeah. he probably has been bumped down a little bit, but yeah, I mean, there there, there are other very good first basemen in uh, Major League, and specifically in the American League this year. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this, but let's go over to second base for a second. Whit Merrifield, Marcus Simeon. I think it's great for Whit to get in there. I think he does have a shot to be the reserve. Like, among AL second baseman, he's having a good year. But would would you be anything but shocked if Merrifield pulled this off over Marcus Simeon? Yeah, Marcus Simeon, I mean, he deserves to be... He deserves to be a Blue Jay. Uh, pardon me, a, a, an All-Star. But I do think his time as a Blue Jay, I do genu genuinely think it's helped... His his voting prospects sure. because I think a lot of Blue Jays fans when you when you fill out the the ballot you look to, look at you see Marcus Simeon's name there and you think ah okay well he was a Blue Jay and he was he got MVP votes in his one season as a Blue Jay I don't mind voting for old Marcus and you you click the yes for him so I think I think that's probably uh, honestly a part of it honestly in the NL as well that's why like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. probably getting a whole whack of votes as well he's playing very well but I'm, I have no doubt Blue Jays fans extending the vote 
the vote generosity to other other teams and other players. Yeah, not exactly like the Diamondbacks are leading in the fan vote no. every single year. So I do think Lourdes is helping out there or getting helped out there. Let's go to third base quickly. Matt Chapman, Josh Young of the Texas Rangers. Their numbers on a pretty similar plane. Chapman obviously hasn't played well recently. Yeah. I do feel like this is an attainable one for the Blue Jays to both like not have it skew very far off what is the reality. Chapman could be, in some people's opinion, the premier third baseman in the league. And, you know, the, the fan base of the Blue Jays has a shot here to beat the Rangers. Should he, though? It's tough. I mean, it's... <laughs> Look, if he, if he makes it, I think he'll be making it almost entirely on his super hot start. Like, it's the month of April, essentially. For sure. For sure. It's... I mean, but Josh Young's numbers, I have to say, pretty much the same as Matt Chapman's. Yeah. And and the question becomes, is it really about playing well going into? And I mean, the question is really answered by it's just about fan votes. But if we're <laughs> if we're shaping it around, you know, some legitimacy, you know, they both have OPSs around eight ten right now. Young has a little more in terms of the homer category. He's hit fifteen homers. Chapman has ten. Young's been very good defensively, but I don't think you could say that he's a better defender at third than Matt That's Chapman. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think Matt Chapman is the best defender at third in perhaps, I mean, if not all of Major League Baseball, maybe the only guy better at third than Chapman is like Nolan Arenado, for, for example. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe. he's in the National and League, so National we can League. at least say in yeah. the American League. Yeah, so if that's the case, then uh, you're probably right. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that is genuinely enough. They both deserve to make it. I actually think both of them will be all-stars, even if whoever is, does not make it at the, as the starter probably still going to uh to seattle Bo Bo over Corey seager another blue jays rangers battle at short Bo is as as good as Corey seager has played i think the sheer fact that he just missed some time with injury means he's just not going to make it, it com combining it with the fact that Bo has been the team's mvp basically all season and deserves to be like a no doubt slam dunk starter at shortstop this year yeah I, I think Bo makes it easily the only other guy Kevin Kiermeyer. I think he's in a little bit of trouble in the outfield three out of six make it Judge Trout Randy Arozarena Jordan Alvarez Adolis Garcia a lot of competition I do think Kiermeyer, being a veteran player has a good shot to I can't get believe selected. he's never been an all-star yeah he's, he's the guy with the most war in baseball cumulatively cumulatively geez for his career 34 over 34 war in his career he hasn't made an all-star game that's more than any other active player great article from mlb.com's mike petriello who's also a regular blue jay central contributor mm -hmm. about kiermeyer and really how he should make it quick i want this one from you do you think it's a good or bad thing i mean it's obviously good here but that blue jays fans swing so much of the all-star vote a lot of the time and put this many guys in contention it's a good question. I, I am, am a fan of trying to vote as impartially as I can, but I do find it incredibly entertaining that the Blue Jays fans stuff the ballot box as much as they do. And hey, good for them because it's not an easy thing to do. Good for the Blue Jays fans. Because I'm not convinced the Blue Jays have, even with an entire country voting for them, that they have a much larger fan base than, let's say, the Dodgers or for the Yankees sure. when it comes to like international branding. So it's good that they can do it. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chastise them for doing it. Do it as much as you can. Yeah, I think with the All-Star game no longer mattering for anything, it's all about the fans. The the fan base that wins should win. For a lot of yeah. years, there were tons of Yankees. There's always tons of Dodgers, tons of Braves. We will see, though, who the Blue Jays get in. You can go to BlueJays.com slash vote for that. Really appreciate you tuning in today to this Monday edition of Jays Talk Plus. Lake Murphy will be back for you tomorrow. For Jeff Azapari, Lance Kennedy, and Jennifer Rolnick behind the scenes, he's Show Ali. I'm Ben Shulman. A lot more coming up on the network, so stick with us. But this will do it for Jays Talk Plus on the Sportsnet Radio Network.